This is going to be Be'ezus Hashem, the very last Shovim Shev for this cycle, for this year. I, I do want to say I do appreciate some of the feedback which I got, which was very, very nice. Someone actually came over to me to say that he was involved in a shul and they asked him to speak about these in Yonim and he's like, where do I start? So he listened to the, he listened to the share and he gave it over and he said they enjoyed it. So I appreciate it when people appreciate it. And I'm, I'm hoping more than anything that you, we're not just appreciating the share. That we're hoping to, you know, get chizuk from it. And even though Shavivim has come to an end, as we know, Pasha Mishpat, and this year it finishes, but that doesn't mean that the chizuk doesn't continue and we can chizuk ourselves by even listening to the Shurim again, or just thinking about some of the concepts that we spoke about could also bring a certain chizuk to a person to realize just the very fact that we are here. And I, I will tell you as well, something that I personally was very impressed with, the fact that everybody here is like, oh, could we continue the shurim? I think that's amazing. I think that's beautiful. Because the Maisa, these are very sensitive topics. These are very uncomfortable topics. These are topics that we all know deep in that we have to work on, but like, eh, rather not think about it, rather not talk about it. Let's move on to like, Boyo or something, Bishal or whatever, because that's less personal. But the Maisa, the only want to hear this, the only want to work on it. I think that's so beautiful, the fact that we have a beautiful group who want to know what to do to machazik ourselves in this Indian. And like I said, even though maybe we are physically not going to be speaking about it anymore, but we should try to remember the chazik that we have. So, a couple of points I'd like to leave you with. And we've spoken to so many things that we've spoken about, different eitzes, the gewaldige schar in the next world, and the reward in this world that a person has physically from watching his eyes and preventing himself from doing the things that give himself the Hanor, and we've spoken about all different things. I want to just leave you with a couple of things, okay? Not all of them are related, but I just want to leave you with a few snippets of Chizuk that hopefully you can try and take with you um, when we're not discussing it, when it gets difficult. One of the, one of the things I want to leave you is as follows. The Toldus Yaakov Yosef in uh, Pasha Shoftim brings down a, he actually brings down a, what he quotes to be as a, a kid's joke. And he said that somebody fell into a pit and he couldn't climb out of the pit. And the person nearby said to him, why don't you go home and get a ladder? And this way you'll be able to actually climb out of the pit. So Remendel, the Maggid of Bar, he was a Talmud of the Eiligabal Shem Tov. And he said, what's Pshat in the joke? What's Pshat? The guy's stuck in the pit. He's in there. He can't get out. So somebody passes and says, well, why don't you go and get a ladder from your house and this way you'll be able to get out. It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid, right? You know, this joke is teaching us a very important lesson in Avodah Hashem. And let's take this with us when we finish the Shurim in the series and we go out in the streets and we go on our phones and we go on computers and we go to various places, whatever it may be. And he says that we have to prepare ourselves before we fall. That's what's important. In other words, we have to gather the ladders with us so that we can get out of various pits before we fall into the pit. Because once we fall into the pit, of course we can get out, but it's much harder to get out for a person to realize. And and that's what a person has to realize, that one of the great tzaddikim once said, that a person could be a malach one day, and the next day he's a galach, he's a priest. Meaning that a person can have falls up and down, but we have to realize, said the tzaddik, that this is part of our process of growth, right? We cannot grow without challenges. We've spoken about this many times in the I've spoken to boys personally about various different issues that they have, including very simple things about being in yeshiva. And sometimes it's difficult in the dorms and with roommates and with this guy and with that guy. And Okay, but that's how we grow. 
we grow when we are challenged. And that's forget how we grow the greatest way possible. So before we fall, we have to recognize, yes, we may fall. But we have to realize, for example, I, I tell a boy before he goes back to America, and doing whatever it's going to be, that there are going to be falls. No, no, you're going to sit. No, no. Let's not try and you know get out of the situation and not be realistic. We have to realize there are going to be falls. And it's okay to recognize that that's going to happen. Right? Doesn't mean you didn't work on yourself. Doesn't mean you, you know you didn't try. But it means that we recognize that there can be falls and we have to learn to get out of those. One of the greatest tools is remembering what we spoke about. And that is the Indian that, you know what? Yeah, I fell. Let's move on. Don't think about what happened. Rabbi Nachman says that so many times. Hayyoyim, today, 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 today. I yesterday, I last night. Who cares? Move on. I've had to have to do tshuva. But today, today's a fresh day. I, what happened? There's a famous Maisa. I don't want to go too much into this. But there's a famous Maisa with one of the Tamidim. I think it is of, um, I think it's of the Ramban, if I'm not mistaken. And he he he, he went completely off the derech in a way that he almost became like the second in com- to command to a priest. And nobody can understand it. Like, how did you do that? You were Talmud of the Ramban. <laughs> Who was greater than the Ramban? You were Talmud of his. How did you do that? So I'm not going to go through the whole Maisa, but I'm just going to tell you one idea, and that's our story, okay? And the idea went like this. It was Pesach. Now, in the days of the Rishonim, Achroinim, and even not so long ago before the war, they didn't have dormitories in many yeshivas. They stayed in Balabatim's homes, and they were poor to themselves. And whatever food the Balabas could give them, that's what they ate. They went often without food. It was very difficult for them. It wasn't easy. It was serious nefesh. So this Talmud, it was Pesach. And um I think it was. And the family where he stayed made a Kegel. They called down this boy, said, do me a favor. We made the Kegel. And we don't know if it's halachically muttered to eat. There's a shayla, kidneys, kibrochs, whatever it was that they were dealing with. Right? There was a shayla whether it was kosher or not. So they said, I need you to take this to the Ramban. And ask him if it's motor or asa to eat the kegel on Pesach. So the boy's going, so sure, no problem. Goes to the Ramban. The Ramban looks at it. Again, if it's not the Ramban, you'll excuse me, it's another godel, whichever it was. And, uh, the Ramban's thinking, Ah, and he's going backwards and forwards, going through every possible heter, knocking it down. Every possible heter, knocking it down. And the end says, no, can't eat the kegel. Can't eat the kegel. The boy says, okay. On the way back, he's thinking to himself, you know, I'm starving. It's Pesach. On the best of times, everyone's starving. We had a regular Pesach. Never mind in those days, right? He was starving. He gets back. He says to the family, I'm so sorry. The rabbi said, you cannot eat the food. Goes up to his room. He's got the key in his pocket. And he's thinking to himself, Maisa, the rabban said it's an Eine Ben And, okay, Chobans, but, uh, he started going through the whole sugar. He ate the kegel. I'm starving. What should I do? I, I ate the kegel. It was a habamine of the rabban. It's good enough for me. He's about to go to sleep. He thinks to himself, oh, I just ate a kegel, that's probably chomets. You think I'm going to say Krishman Amita now? What are you, crazy? No way, I'm not saying Krishman Amita. So he goes to sleep. Okay, go. Wakes up the next morning. Negavasa, right? He thinks to himself, I just ate a kegel, that's chomets. I just didn't, I went to sleep like a goy without saying Krishman Amita. I'm going to watch Negavasa? No chance. Shachvis, Mincha, everything goes down the drain. Because of one thing. And that's how he said the story, how he became where he became. Because it spirals out of control if we don't stop ourselves and realize, yes, I did something. Now move on. You know why? Because the Rebunsha wants to hear from you. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows, you're, you're, you know, he knows the answers that you have. He knows how hard it is. And he understands if you fell. Now move on. He still wants to hear your davening. He wants your tefillin. He wants your tzitzis. He wants your Torah. Avadi he does. 
course he does. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to do tshuva. I don't have to do tshuva. But this is sometimes the cycle that the Yitzhah gets themselves into. And we have to realize, by the way, you know, our grandparents, we're going, we're going to Poland, okay? And we're going to learn and experience and see much of the mysterious nefesh that Claudius role, whether it's our grandparents, great-grandparents, whether it was someone else's family, wasn't our family, they managed to escape the war, it's irrelevant. But Claudius role were moisa nefesh for Yiddishkeit on such a high level, on such a high level. How are we going to turn to our grandparents and great-grandparents who gave up so much for Yiddishkeit, so much for Kashrush, for Tznias, for Limadat Torah, for Dabli with a minion, for Chom, so much. And we're going to say, we couldn't stop ourselves from looking at that screen, or from looking at that woman across the street. They were moist and nervous, their lies for everything. We? How are we going to face them? Got to think about that. In previous generations, they were moist and nervous. Yiddishkeit meant so much to them. Think about that. Next time, you're faced with the challenge of how much our ancestors, starting from the beginning, gave up so much until just not so many generations ago, not that many years ago, there are still some survivors. They gave up so much, and we'll hear so many stories about how much they gave up for Yiddishkeit. What are we going to say? There's no Shiloh. That this is the battle of our generation. That's why we don't have to feel bad. That's why we don't have to feel bad that these things happen. They come to our minds. These are our tithers. These are the magnetic forces within us. We don't have to feel bad. That's a normal thing that people have. I read you an email last week of someone that said, first line of the email, thank you for making me feel normal. Right? We should all feel normal because it is normal. And that's okay. And we have to try. But there's one thing the Rabboni Shalom is going to ask when we leave this world. He's going to say, why didn't you try? Okay, you didn't win. That's fine. You fell. That's fine. You didn't try. You didn't do anything to make it better. That's the shayla. If we knew and recognized how valuable a tiny little try is in this area, and even if we fail, we spoke about the pushing off for five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, even if we do the other afterwards. But the very fact that we try to push it off, do you know what that is? You know what the Rabbi thinks? He knows how hard it is. He knows the Yetzirah that's on fire inside every single one of us. And how desperate we are to press that button or to look over the street, whatever it may be, yeah? And we say, you know what? We'll do it, but not now. We'll do it in five minutes, ten minutes. We'll celebrate that success. Do you know what that is? If we realize that, we'll keep on trying. But sometimes we realize that, eh, what does it mean anyway? I do that very, it means nothing. No, it means so much to Rabbi Nishloidah. There's a Russia that we're all familiar with, the Terrible, terrible Russia. What he did for Klalisol was Gefelech. And he had a reward of three generations of kings that came out of him. Why? Says Chazal, because he took three steps to honor Hashem. Three little steps. That's all he did. Big deal. Three steps. What is it already? Tiny three steps. What gave him three generations of kings. Because he tried and did something towards the Rabbi Nishram. However much of a Russia he was. Al-Achaz Kama V'Kama. To us, where we are bonim the mocker, we are the rabbinim's children. He loves us. He chose us. He loves us and cherishes everything we do. Take a tiny step in the right direction. A tiny step. Try a little bit. Whatever you can do. Whatever you can manage. And each one can do. Each one according to his level. What he can do. Some sofa says that just before Yitzchak Mitzrayim, Kalal Yisrael were tested. Why? Because it was right before the Geula. 
They were about to be let out of the tribe. They were about to be in tears for tribe. Right before then, there's going to be a big test. So the Heidegger some sofa, Rabbi say. That just like there, there was a test before that Geula, which wasn't Geula Shlema, before the real Geula Shlema. When the Rabbani Shalom is going to megala himself completely to everyone in the world. And when everyone in the world is going to know that the Rabbani Shalom is the Malach Malchem Lochem, who created the world and who runs the world, there's going to be a test. So the Chassam Saifa, Klal Yisrael, is being tested right now. Are we going to win or are we not going to win? That is the Shaila. And I'm going to leave you, Rabbi Yisrael, with a letter that I read every single year, twice a year. We read this letter on Hanukkah, and we read this letter during Shavavim. And if you ask me, we should probably read this letter once a month. Okay, so if you've heard the letter, listen again. And if you haven't, listen carefully. Because this letter gave me a tremendous amount of chizuk. I got this letter, a photocopy of the letter. It's the actual, it's a photocopy of the actual letter. I got this when I was in camp in Moganav um, as a bocha about 24, 25 years ago. And I got this letter from a photocopy of it from someone that knows the person that received the letter. And the letter goes like this. It was written by a camper to her counselor. Dearest, you're probably shocked to get this letter from me. Three years passed since I've seen you last. You didn't think you'd ever get a letter from me. Though I'm sure you remember who I am. I liked you a lot as a person, but I never accepted what you told us. I always thought of you as a religious fanatic. You're always so nice to me. We got along well, but I just never wanted to hear about religion. I could see your, I could still see your hurt face when you walked into the bunkhouse and saw me reading a magazine that was not for a bus stroll. I don't know if you remember. You sat on my bed, held my hand tightly and looked at me. You didn't say anything. You just looked sad and held my hand. Things have changed a lot since then. Yes, I'm writing to you now and I'm still lying in bed in the same position as you left me three years ago. My hand is still stretched forward and I want you to hold it tight again. This time, I want you to look at me with a happy face. I want you to be proud of me. I just went through a terrible accident. I'm lying here in bed forever. I'm paralyzed on the right side of my body. I can't move. I can't talk so well, but my hand can still write. And it's this hand that I stretch out to you. The doctors say my case is a lost case, no recovery. But I think this accident was the biggest recovery in my life. I'm not sad anymore. I learned the lesson. It was the hard way. But I learned... I lie here motionless and I think about all those days that I was able to laugh, talk, run, sing and dance and play, pray and do mitzvahs, help people, thank Hashem for everything, every single movement that He gave me. But I lie here and cry as I think of what I did with all those happy days. I dirtied my ears. I ruined my eyes. I looked and listened to pictures, music, books and movies that I shouldn't have. My mouth, the most precious tool that Hashem gave us, I used for words, curses and songs that should not enter Basisol's mouth. I still see a sad look in front of my face. I still see you sitting on my bed. I still see your tears rolling down. And I see the disappointment. But how can a motionless mouth fix all the words that is said? How can it daven all the beautiful thrillers? How can it make up for all those years that went to waste? How could a dead body correct all the precious time that was used to ruin my neshama? There's no recovery, the doctors say, but my neshama is shouting. I feel it. I feel it pounding. There must be a way to fix everything. It was last night that I found the way and therefore I pushed myself to write this letter. I want you to tell people my story. I want them to know. I don't want them to miss the boat. Tell them, please tell them that as long as they can move and sing and dance and run and talk and listen and laugh, let them use it in the right way. Don't waste time. Sing and thank Hashem for all he gave you. Use every movement, every moment that you have to clean your neshama. 
help others. Yes, I know that there are people out there who think they're cool and in. They talk about singers, films, etc. with the greatest admiration. I know this because I was once one of those cool people. I'm lying now in my bed. My body is stiff and very cool. And I want all people out there to get the message. That is my only recovery. I want them to take the most wonderful body that Hashem gave us and return it as a polished diamond. Rabbi Said, Rabbi Nishlam gave every single one of us the most beautiful neshama that comes as a chilek and a kamimal mamish. It comes a chilek of the Rabbi Nishlam, a chilek of the Kisai Kovit. We've taken it, we have a few layers on top of it. Let's realize, let's utilize why we're in this world and understand what we could do with our eyes and everything else that like we said, our ears, our mouths and everything else as well, Rabbi Say. Yes, it's hard. Yes, there are difficult times. Yes, we fall sometimes into that pit. But if we gather the ladders with ourselves before we fall and recognize how much the Rabboni Shalom sees and appreciates every little bit of trying that we do, we can change our lives, our marriages, our relationship with the Rabboni Shalom, and ultimately our Olam Abba forever. The Olam should give and the Olam should have a tremendous amount of Siyat Adishmaya. Just for the rotten of wanting these Shurim, the Rabbi Shem should give every single one of you tremendous Siyat Adishmaya to be able to conquer the Yitzhara and if you didn't, to fight back up, get back up and keep on going and eventually return that beautiful Neshama that you have inside of you to the Rabbi Shem Shalom.